This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jumrukovsky, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. This is the show where I meet some of the brightest minds in the world. We talk about mindset. We talk about achieving your goals. If this is the first time you're with me, my big fat mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. And right now you are the most important person to me. So please, if you're listening to this now, make sure to take notes. I'm sure it's going to bring so much heat today because I have an incredible guest. I've seen him on stage several times. He's a true inspiration. He's one of the top real estate coaches and business consultants in the world. He has hundreds of thousands of coaching hours in his pocket, basically. All of that experience has been on stage for almost half a million people, if not more now. And he's just an incredible, cool, humble human being. And I'm excited to be here today with Coach Bill Pipes. So Bill, welcome to the I Love Success podcast. Peter, thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. And first of all, I want to acknowledge you, man, like, you know, changing the lives of 10 million people is such a big, hairy, audacious goal, man. Like, you know, like I think sometimes people choose goals that are easy to accomplish versus ones that will actually stretch them to become something even greater than they are. I mean, and with your background in history in terms of sports and competition and everything that you've done, why would you not take on such an enormous goal like that? I mean, so congratulations, brother, and excited to have the chance to be able to actually share and, and for you and I to do this together. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. And I know every time you are on stage and every time you're you're helping others, it's almost like you're giving, giving, giving so much. And I know you receive from that. But but today I want to be about you, and I want to I want to dig a little bit deeper. And uh, because I know from that burning desire to help others, there's usually a story behind that. So can we go back and 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 just talk heart to heart? Like how, when when did that feeling come for you and how was your life leading up to that moment? So um I was born like I was born in right <laughs> I was born in a, a small town in southeast Texas. Um, grew up in a little place called Kirbyville, Texas, which is down near Beaumont Port Author, a whole 1,972 people. And, and from a very young age, man, I just had this, there's something more. Not that there was anything wrong with where it was that I was, you know, my grandparents, my mother, my father, all hardworking individuals. But I just, there, there was something inside me that said, hey, Pipes, there's something more, you know what I mean? And um, when my mother moved, my parents were divorced at a very young age. When my mother moved from, um, from Southeast Texas to California, I had the chance to go and visit her. And I got to stay with her in a little one bedroom apartment in Laguna Beach, California, uh, nice. uh, on top of this place on third street in Laguna Beach. Uh, there's a plumbing shop called Benson's plumbing. And one summer I went spent, I was living with my dad, spent the summer with her, um, worked for her during the summer. Cause I always worked either had like, you know, a lawn mowing business or something along those lines worked at, uh, the Kawasaki mail room. But the point was I got to experience California and I went like Deweyville, Kirbyville or Laguna beach. And so I was like, Peace out, Texas. As much as I love Texas, my roots are there. Yeah. 
uh, but moved to California. And, and during that time, you know, here I had a single mom, hardworking, two jobs, sometimes three jobs, you know, watched her work ethic. Um, she moved from being a paralegal to actually moving over into real estate. And she had saved up some money to be able to actually do this. And we would talk and we would dream together. My mom exposed me at a very young age at 13 years old, 14 years old to personal growth and development through a company I still have. It's funny. I still That's have cool. the audio tape programs, right? That she gave me here. Oh you can look God. at how old and yellow those are, right? Wow. Um, What's the name of that uh, course? It's called a personal success planner by a company that I don't even know if is around anymore called Success Motivation Institute. But I listened to this. It came with a... Uh, came with a, uh, a tape recorder and a briefcase that you would like carry around with all this. It's like, uh, there's another one on time management. So I started listening to that at 13, you know, just, I was, it's weird. I was one of those weird kids. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And so I said, write down your goals, write down your, what you want, et cetera. So anyway, moved to California. My mom gets into real estate and, uh, you know, I watch her, you know, work her ass off and do everything that she needs to do. Um, and she's with a, a company called first team real estate at that time. And, um, I watched her struggle and, and get really challenged with the business and, and do everything that she thought that she needed to do. And I want to be very clear. My mom is very, like, I look at her as the most successful woman that I know. However, real estate chewed her up and spit her out, right? And I watched her go through the challenges, the ups and the downs, uh, which culminated into uh, my senior year, uh, me hearing as I'm trying to go to sleep, tossing and turning Peter, right? Like, like I need to go to sleep that, that, that day before my senior year starts and she's playing Barry Manilow downstairs, super loud. Right. And like playing Mandy. Oh, Mandy. Right. And I go downstairs. I'm like, I look and I'm like, what's going on? I don't say anything to her. And she's crying and she's talking to her cousin, Judy. And she's like, Judy, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to go back into being a paralegal. You know, I've tried everything that I need to. And I can hear her having this conversation and watch the tears coming down her eyes. And she goes, how am I going to tell Billy? That's what she calls me, that I can't help him with college. And so I turned around and went back upstairs and, uh, you know, I should have given my mom a big hug, but I didn't. But the next morning I came downstairs, I thought about like everything that night, uh, gave her a big hug and said, don't worry. I heard the conversation last night. We'll get through this. Now, Peter, I didn't know it at this time, but that was a defining moment for me because I remember lying in my bed, tossing and turning, thinking, how can this woman who's doing everything, working her ass off, you know, following all direction that she's getting from her broker, not be able to achieve the success that she needed and wanted to be able to actually live the lifestyle, right? And feel broken and, and that, that she didn't succeed. And I, I and again, I'm going to say something. My mom's a huge success. You know what I mean? Like raising me uh, as a single mom in the 1980s, in the 1990s and everything that was going on, I really give my, you know, take my hat and tip my hat to her. But I look back and everything hinges around that row where I remember thinking, I don't want any mom to ever feel that way. Any dad to ever feel that way. I don't want any son or daughter to feel that way when they're looking at their parents, right? And feeling helpless and not being able to do anything because all I wanted to do was solve the problem for my mom. Right. And so now when I approach things, it's with that fervor, it's with that commitment that I'm like, Hey, no way. There's going to be like right now with the market shifting and the market changing, I have one operation. It's called operation. No agent left behind where if there are agents out there that are like, Hey man, you know, I want, I want the success. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I know the market has shifted. It's like, you know, a war movie. We're going to run back. We're going to grab them. We're going to put them on our back and we're going to freaking run them up the hill or run them to safety. Right. So, and that came back to that moment 
1989 or 1988 when I saw my mom go through that, bro. Whoa. Uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Bill. You know, it's crazy how moments define us as human beings and how that can put us on a trajectory to either something incredible or in some scenarios, something, you know, down a, a rabbit hole or, or, or to something bad. And, and I'm glad you, you choose this and have that fire, but I'm sure you had some challenges on the way. So just speaking about you, what has been some of your biggest challenges uh, in your life and how had you have, how have you been able to overcome that? Mm. Biggest challenge that I have faced in life um, God, there's probably two, you know, no, in every podcast I've been on, no one's ever asked me that question. So, which is really good. I think the biggest challenge that I have faced in my life was, um, actually my first divorce, tell you the truth. So, um, you know, like I didn't, I met a wonderful woman. It actually was my entry point into real estate training because, um, I ended up marrying uh, I have uh, some of the best mentors on the planet, right? That's one of the things that I look at is like, you know, you and I were talking about this, Peter, um, you know, you, the, the smart individuals look at what they want to accomplish and they look at the people that have accomplished it in front of them. And then therefore what they do is then they just emulate that person, right? They, they rip off, they dip, deploy, they duplicate what it is that that individual is doing. I've had the privilege of having Mike Ferry, right? And my young formative years of, of 20. And if, if anyone doesn't or isn't familiar with Mike, he's like 78, 79 years old. The fundamental principles that Mike Ferry teaches are as valuable today as they were 20, 30 years ago, right? I, I, I give that guy full props in terms of where it is that I am in my life and my business today. Um, but then I got the chance to move towards Gary Keller, right? And, uh, you know, Gary Keller, you know, taught me when, you know, when I learned everything I could from Mike, taught me how to be able to scale and grow a team, Mike gave me fundamentals. And then I worked with Tom and Tom and I, I really learned from him the power of marketing and what marketing does to be able to support those fundamentals. So I've always had really powerful contemporaries and individuals that I've learned from. Um, and now as I'm talking about this, I'm actually going to go back. I'm going to rescind that it was my, uh, the, the end of my, my marriage. I'm going to say that, it was 2008, 2009, when we hit that great recession and it really began to have an impact on all of us. And for anyone that was in the real estate business uh, at that time, you remember that. I mean, the storm came, it was crazy, et cetera. However, there was a point, Peter, where, I mean, look, real estate coaching, real estate training, Right? I look at as a non-negotiable, everyone should be doing. But when all of a sudden you're like, people are looking at what do I cut? We're on the chopping block. You know what I mean, man? So, and especially during that time. And so the number of seminars that we were doing began to diminish the number of, um, of coaching clients began to have I mean, the number of agents pretty much just disappeared at that point. I mean, you had 35, 40% of the population, I think it was 30 to 35% over the course of three years got out of the business because they couldn't afford to be in it anymore. There was a point, a point where my wife and I, uh, Marcy at the time, uh, actually ended up having $11 in our business checking account eating through our savings, man. Like, And I remember walking in and my daughter, Sophia had just been born and she was, you know, two months old, I mean, looking at it going, how in the hell am I going to do this? Right. 
And so what happened was I went back to fundamentals. I relaunched my real estate. I started, I looked at this and said, there's opportunity here. Cause look, this market is shifting right now. It is, it's not just shifting. This shit has shifted, right? Like this market has shifted, right? We're in this for two to three years right now. That's how long this is going to continue at one way, shape, form, or another, where it's just Peter, a normal market. Well, look, 2008, 2009, that was not normal. That was the entire real estate world and the economy was on its ear, right? And so I had to, I like go, I'm relaunching my team because all I was doing was coaching and training at that time, right? Um, we're going to lean into, you know, our, our mortgage uh, business that we actually have at that time. And my wife had a branch of, of directlender.com, right? And we're just going to outwork this situation, and so like, that's the thing when I, all of a sudden I realized, holy shit, man, there is nothing so big and so challenging that a commitment to lead generation and prospecting every single day won't solve, right? That had been like ingrained in my head with, with Mike Ferry. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm living this right now. And so fast forward, we launched a team. That team started in Salt Lake City. We expanded it at St. George. Um, expanded it over to California. And within the course of about two years, you know, we had a 45 person team uh, where we had a referral network. We would get the leads in, we would scrub them. We had a six person ISA department. Let's back, we're just figuring it out, right? Because what I looked at is I said, opportunity is here. Agents hate to prospect. They can't do it long-term, right? Or a lot of them don't. They don't do long-term follow-up. What if I removed all that from them and just gave them a qualified lead that was ready to go out and look at property? Basically, we were doing Zillow Flex before Zillow Flex existed, right? We were like a regional little Zillow Flex. And so I partnered with agents from all over the West Coast. And we had a team here. We had a team in San Francisco, a team in the East Bay, uh, Napa, uh, one that was down in uh, Orange County, another one that was down in San Diego. And we just drove that for about four or five years. But it all came down to, and this is what I want everyone to get, is that nothing is so big and so challenging and so daunting that a commitment to prospect for two to three hours a day won't solve if you do it for 90 days to six months. Yeah. And I think that that goes along for, for everything in life, right? Not just real estate. I, I was just uh, on vacation and I, I read uh, the four commandments that's pretty much everybody has read. But one, one thing it talks about like doing your best and like doing your best every day, it adds up. When I look at my life, and see that some of the accomplishments that I have achieved, it's through those small steps and that discipline, right? That you're, you're doing it every day. And, and leading into that, I think uh, I want to I share a quote with you that I read the other day, yeah, and then sure. I want your thoughts. Uh, this is Tim Grover who, who said this. I love Tim. He's a, he's a cool dude, right? And he said, mental toughness means you don't believe the hype when you win and you don't fall apart when you lose. So when I, when I read that for, to you, I'm going to read it again. And then I just want to hear what, what, what you're hearing, because I think this is so important. I think a lot of people actually miss, miss this. Uh, mental toughness means you don't believe the hype when you win and you don't fall apart when you lose. So um, I've had the chance to spend time with Tim personally one-on-one, -on -one, right? He's a beast. And for those of you that don't know who Tim Grover is, he was Kobe Bryant's personal coach. He was Michael Jordan's personal trainer and personal coach. He worked with Charles Barkley, worked with Dwayne Wade. I mean, he's worked with the best of the best. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that Tim Grover quote, because there's something that Tim said to me that I want to share with you that I think exemplifies that, but I want to go Jay-Z, right? I want to talk (laughs) Jay-Z about an interview that I saw with Jay-Z. And um, it was Oprah Winfrey that was interviewing him. And if you ever get the chance to watch OWN, I, I don't even know if it's still on the Oprah Winfrey Network, her, her master classes where she interviews some of these greats is absolutely invaluable. I mean, Google it, go on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. There was an interview that she did with Jay-Z. Um, and, you know, you look at Jay-Z from the street corner, you know, slinging crack uh, to being one of the most wealthy individuals on the planet right now. And, you know, was on the, a couple of years ago on the, the cover of, of uh, Fortune magazine and, and for, or was it Fortune or Forbes with uh, Buffett? And I mean, just that's pretty much a great way to come up. Yeah. In the interview, Oprah said, what have you learned from all your success? And he paused and he goes, honestly, Oprah, I've learned nothing from my success. He says, success has just been an excuse to pop Chris stall and party. He goes, all the great lessons I've ever learned have come from my failures that I've had. Right. And we, as I think we, as human beings, I will talk to us, talk about like, not just us as agents. I'll talk about just the human being principle. We're afraid. I think a lot of us to fail. Um, we're afraid to put ourselves in situations where we won't look good. There's an, there's a pandemic going on. You know what the pandemic is? It's not COVID, right? Okay. The new pandemic is looking good. And when people like focus so hard on, and when I say looking good, it's not like you're dressed well or whatever. Looking good is I don't want to put myself in a situation where I look like a dumbass. But if you look at all the greats, they went through this dumbass portion of their life where they're learning and they're growing etc jay-z learn nothing from my successes that's just been an excuse to pop crystal and party i learned everything from the failures that i've had now let's go to tim grover i'm sitting with tim grover in the green room for an event that we actually did he had just got done speaking we're having lunch with him um and i turned to him and i said yo bro Okay. I didn't say yo, bro, but in my world, that's sort of how I remember it. Right. I'm like, yo, Mr. Hi, Tim, Yon, Bill Pipes, et cetera. And uh, I said, uh, you know, it was amazing. I did an incredible keynote for us. And um, I said, honestly, man, what is the primary difference between like Mike and Kobe and all of these guys that uh, are just so dynamic? And he thought about it for a second. He looked at me, right. And he said, Bill, what do you do when you get knocked down? What have you been taught to do when you fail? And I said, well, you get right back up. And he goes, wrong. Here's what the greats do. When they get knocked down, they stay down. And they stay down for a bit because why do you think, Peter? I mean, you watch, you're karate champion. You know what I mean? Like you've got all of this experience in terms of a national and international competitions. When the greats get knocked down, why do they stay down? Why do you think? I mean, it because you ponder, you learn, and and that's how you become better. And and it, just like JC said, uh, it, there's a quote: when when you win, you party, and when you when you fail, you ponder. And yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and Grover said, when Mike would get down, when Kobe would get down, when these greats get down, they stay down. They think about what got them there. They, they ask themselves, what am I going to change? How am I going to approach this differently? What are going to be the fundamental principles that I need to actually apply to my life, my business, my game, right? So that this doesn't happen again, right? So, and they do it quick. They execute it quickly, even though they're down, 
what I need to learn. Great. So they've just conditioned themselves that failure isn't final, right? It's not the end. Failure is actually the next step in order to be able to actually have the breakthrough in terms of massive success, no matter what it is that you're doing. Okay. I love that. And, and, and the more I'm almost at 300 podcasts now. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Olympians, UFC champions, people like yourself, and just a whole bunch of incredible people. And one thing that that I see also is that there are games and ideas to everything. Sometimes we believe that when something happens to us, we're right in our face, right? We think it's the end of the world. But then you talk about somebody else. No, this is how you do it. And this is, this is how it plays out. And, and you start thinking, oh, it wasn't that bad that I, that I fell on my face. It was no. actually maybe good. Well, and here's the deal. No one's watching. Yeah. That's the thing, right? You know, one of the big breakthroughs and ahas I had is when the moment that I actually gave up what other people think of me, I had so, and that was tough, man. You know what I mean? Because we care. And all of a sudden I went, no one's really thinking about me, right? Okay, yeah. that was like a big aha moment, right? Was was when all of a sudden I went, I could give a shit what other people think. Yeah. I'm going to stick to my core principles. I'm going to stick to my core values. Some people are going to love me. Some people are not going to care. And some people are going to hate me, right? And my job is not to please them. My job is to stick to my core values and principles of adventure, integrity, uh, contribution, uh, you know, curiosity, all of those things. If I can live based upon those core values, I give a shit what anyone else thinks, right? Because they're busy thinking, we play this game called looking good is what I said, where we're, we're busy looking good to somebody else. What do they think? What are they going to, oh my gosh, what are they going to say? But here's the messed up thing, Peter, is they're not even thinking about us. They're busy thinking about them yeah. so we're busy looking good to someone who doesn't even care and it screws us up in the decisions that we make the willingness to take risks and the opportunity for growth man it's just bananas it's crazy yeah and and i want to talk about code of living because i am a martial artist but before before doing that i i'm curious my my goal is to redefine success i think it's different for everybody so i'm curious what are your what is what does success like look for you? What, what's your definition of, of success? There's two parts to it, right? And um, so I have two kids. Uh, I have my son who is Liam. Uh, he's 16 years old. My daughter, Sophia, is 13, about to be like 35. It feels like, right? She's 13 <laughs> going on 14. She'll be 14 in August. Um, I will share the principles of success that I'm instilling in them because it's really the principles of success that I live my life by and that I coach by as well too. Um, number one is this, um, you are given in life one thing. You are given your ability to give your word. And when you give your word and you break it, then you lose power. You, you, you actually fail, right? That's the greatest failure for me in my mind is when I say X to somebody and I don't follow through, that for me is ultimate failure. Yeah. Ultimate success is being a person where people can depend and rely upon me where my word is law. When I say something, I can be counted on because here's what I learned a long time ago. Integrity is really power. Those two words are synonymous and integrity is doing what you say you're going to do in the time frame that you say that you're going to do it or being in communication if you can't. 
when you live a life where your word is law and what you say goes, and it's not like I'm a dictator telling everyone what to do. No, when I say X and X happens and people relate to me from that standpoint, you have succeeded at that point. Does that make sense, brother? Yeah, bro. That, that's so interesting because uh, there's something called uh, Bushido. Um, uh, in, it's, in Japanese, it means the way of the warrior. And right. uh, as a Japanese martial artist, this, I think this is the most important thing of being a martial artist, much more important than learning how to punch and kick and winning medals. But what's important about carrying yourself as a warrior, quote unquote, and there's, there's a couple of principles. And one of those are when it's said, it's like it's already done. Love it. And, and that's, I, I think that we, unfortunately, a lot of people lack that. And when you say something in your mind, it's like it's, it's done. And it's the same for me. And I think we're going to talk about maybe goal settings. For me, when I say something to myself, that commitment is done. Now it's just a matter of manifesting it in, in the reality. And of putting, course in the, be- putting in the time to yeah. be able to actually have it come back. I what's it? Bushido, right? Yeah, it's called Bushido. Bushido. I yeah. love it, man. Okay. And, and I love that when it's said, it's done. Yeah. That's what I want on my gravestone, right? Uh, uh, not Bushido, but I want it like, <laughs> yeah, he could be counted on. Yeah. His word was law. So that's number one, right? And I, and I talked to my son about this. I talked to my daughter about it, right? You know, it's not an easy task to be able to take a 16 year old and help him understand that when he says X, it should happen. I shouldn't have to actually follow up multiple times with him. The second component though, is this, and this again is a rule that we live in this household by, which is I want to create an environment. And this is something that I do for all my coaching clients as well too, which I want to, I don't want them to make a lot of mistakes, but I know that they're going to. And for my kids and my family and myself, I want, I've been committed to creating an environment where we take healthy risks, right? Where we're willing to put ourselves into positions where like this shit could not go well, right? We're not going to lose everything, but we're going to take this risk because all what I know and what I'm clear on Pete is all change and transformation occurs outside of the comfort zone that we live inside of, right? And if I don't instill and create this healthy confidence for my kids, my clients, myself to be able to take those risks, then I'll just keep doing, or they'll just keep doing what's comfortable. And if all that they do is what's comfortable, the best they will ever be is average, and I think that's true for all of us. And I want you to think about that. If you're not, you know, empowering yourself to be able to like, why do we set goals? Why do we do mindset work? Why do all that? So that we've got this, these rituals that encourage us to get outside of what is normal, what is the normal routine, because that's where you're going to transform and that's where you're going to get better. So the rule that we have in our house is yes, go out, take risks, intelligent risks, right? Get outside your comfort zone. And I know when that happens, they're going to make mistakes. Okay. And the rule in our house is it's okay to make a mistake as long as you don't make it twice. For me, those two things where my word is law, integrity is power. I can be counted on to be able to do what I say I'm going to do in the time I'm going to do it. And also a life and a vision where it is that I'm taking risks. I'm making mistakes and they really aren't failures. They're just things not working out the way that it is that they need to. I'm learning from those, AKA Tim Grover, and I'm moving forward with a new set of tools to be able to tackle the next bigger, badder, Hydra, dragon, whatever it is that I need to slay at that point. Love that. I mean, I, and I think, I think we are 
unfortunately, a lot of people are so afraid of making mistakes because again, it goes back to what you said. We want to look good, right? We want to look good. And uh, I recall warming up at a karate competition. It was a national championship uh, for juniors. And I was like kicking, warming up and I did a kick and I, uh, I was just warming up on the, you know, warm up area and I fell. So I thought, what happened? Did somebody sweep me? But I was just kicking, I think, a little bit too fast. So I just fell and I, I went straight up and I was so ashamed. <laughs> and then I was kept warming up and I did it again. And I fell, fell a second time. And I don't think it was ba bad that I fell. But going back to that moment, I was so ashamed of looking bad. So the first thing that I did, I didn't even check if I was okay. I just looked around to see if somebody Who's looking? saw me. Is, any, yeah. is anyone looking? Did anyone see me, right? And no, so. nobody saw me. <laughs> yeah. Because they're busy, they like, doing their own shit. stuff, talking. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Isn't it crazy, though? I mean, that's how the ego works, right? And and I think, um, you know, one of the things I think is uh, you as a great athlete, I, 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 in addition to doing all the work that I do for coaching and training, like you said, 100,000 hours or 100,000 coaching calls, 50,000 hours underneath my belt, um, you know, of doing this. I, I love that. I, and, and it's, it's, it's who I am, but another portion of who I am is I'm climbing the seven summits of the world, right? So the highest peaks in every single nation, um, we were supposed to go to Russia this year. Well, this is the third year in a row where we've had it planned. And the first year was the pandemic. The yeah. second year was visas were difficult to get. And all of a sudden now we've got Ukraine that's taking place right now. So, you know, a byproduct of that, among other things, has been us not being able to go to Mount Elbrus and be able to actually hit the highest peak in all of, of, uh, of Europe. So now I'm climbing Ecuador and there's uh, three volcanoes that I'm going to hit in about 15 days, which is going to be an even better, you know, climb. Yeah. But it's not like the ego, I'm going to hit this. But the point, yeah. <laughs> what I want to make is the, the point of this is I went down to Argentina and um, we were climbing Aconcagua. Aconcagua is the highest peak in all of South America. Um, it's 21,000 feet and some change. Now I had done Kilimanjaro and felt like I was like a climbing God, right? It's like, and Kili's like 19.5, 19.7, somewhere around there. So, you know, I approached Aconcagua the same way that I approached from my training perspective, Kilimanjaro, right? And what I didn't realize was it was a completely different mountain. It was a much more challenging and draining mountain because you're doing what's called a haul and carry. Whereas Kilimanjaro, Pete is a, Go to camp one, camp at camp one, hike to camp two, sit at camp two, right? And we use this company called Tusker. So we'd show up and it was basically like, like the, 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 the cush of the cush, right? And they had our food there for us, everything. When we did Aconcagua, the upper mountain after base camp is a haul and carry. You hike up, drop your stuff to camp one, high camp one, and then you stay there for a couple of hours and you come back down. So really you're climbing and you do that all the way to camp two, hike to camp two, come back down, sleep, and you're giving your body the chance to acclimatize and be able to actually build up to the red blood cells in your oxygen uh, or red blood cells in, uh, in, in your bloodstream and, and increase the oxygen. So um, because I, I didn't make it to the top of Aconcagua, I got a little bit over 20,000 feet. And then I turned around uh, on summit day. And what I learned from that, and this was like a very expensive trip. I was 21 days away from my family. I mean, it was, it was tough. And I looked at that and I went, hmm, I was a little embarrassed. 
right? About like, is everyone knew that we're going to go do it, et cetera. And then I said, what did you learn from this pipes? And I took a full two days after I got back down the mountain, did not engage in social media and really sat and pondered, as you said, what I learned and how I'm going to approach things differently. And what I said to myself is I will never be underprepared for anything in my life ever again. Right. Because the reason I didn't make it to the top had nothing to do with anything except for the fact that I simply did not prepare. Now for my agent, my real estate agent friends that are watching this right now, here's what I'm going to tell you. This market right now is your Aconcagua. It requires a different approach. You cannot be training at the level that you are for Kilimanjaro to be able to climb Aconcagua. And what does that mean? Right? Because, because Peter, a lot of the people that are watching right now are real estate based. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Okay. Watch this. You've got to prospect one to two hours a day. You need to get your scripts down because what you say matters right now. You need to work on pricing listings because you can't price them whatever the seller says. You have to be able to actually come in with an ability to be able to actually present comparatives, the market, what's going on, the data, so that you can help them choose an intelligent price based upon their level of motivation. It's going to require you being able to control a narrative with your clients where you can be able to actually show them that now is still a great time to buy and it's the optimum time to be able to sell. Those are skills and tools, Pete, that we did not necessarily need for the last two years because the market was the high influence point. The market was influencing the clients and now we have to be the influence in the clients that comes from knowledge, uh, your language, and also your level of preparedness. Yeah, I love that. And and thanks thanks for sharing that. And, and curious... Uh, in that moment, uh, when you're so close to the top uh, and you make the call that you're going to turn around, like, can you just talk about that? Because I think we've all had those moments where we're so close to getting what we want, but we can't get there. Yeah. Um, for me, Two things. I made a promise to my family that I wouldn't put myself in a situation that I felt was going to actually harm uh, where I could not come back down. Right. Okay. Because what had happened was really interesting. My insurance company had found out that I was climbing these big mountains. And all of a sudden they called me two weeks prior to, and they said, Hey, by the way, we don't think that this policy is a really good one for you. We're going to cancel it. Right. And I, so here I am going up on this mountain, right. No, could not get anything taken care of in those two weeks because of medicals and everything else that's needed. So I made a promise to, to my kids. And I said, I, dad will not put himself in a situation where I could potentially die. Now, I'd, I went through three or four sections of this mountain and glaciatic uh, traversing where if you slipped, you're greased, you're gone. But that day, there was something different. I, I was dehydrated and I just kept thinking about this with my family, right? Commitment that I made, what's more important? Another feather in your cap. My why of what it is that I was doing this for, which was my family, right? Um, was the reason that I, the excuse that I used not to push forward, right? Because really the, the challenge with it, again, was not my mental state. It was that I wasn't physically prepared. And here's what happens. When you're exhausted, you make stupid mistakes. When you don't have that, that uh, endurance, uh, then you will, you will make normal decisions. And the same is true for all of us when it comes to our business and real estate. If you are not prepared, if you do not have, actually build up that endurance of prospecting two hours a day, the, uh, the, have the knowledge base of what to be able to say and how to be able to say it effectively, um, you'll, you'll bail out like I did, right? 
and then you'll end up regretting it. Now, I don't regret the trip, right? I don't regret not pushing forward. I'm grateful for the lessons and I'm going back next year to claim that sucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and with a fervor at this point, you know what I mean? So it was perfect. It unfolded exactly as it should. But the reason that I did not make it to the top and the excuse that I used was my family, but the real reality was I simply wasn't prepared. And for a lot of people right now, you got to get prepared for this market because it's on us, right? Otherwise, there's going to be 15% of you guys that are listening right now that could potentially be out of the business because that's the projection of what's going to take place these next two years. Yeah, thank you for being honest, Bill. And, and, and I want to I address this and try to put it in a, in a frame it and hear your thoughts. So uh, there's first, if we go back to the four agreements, one of the things is, always do your best, right? Not more. And I have the problem sometimes as a martial artist, and I've done this several times that I do more than my best. And that can only last for a certain amount of time. Right. Uh, the second part of this is there's a movie called The Big Year. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I have it, man. I'm going to write it down right yeah. now. It's a really cool movie where there's two people. There's a, there's a competition, uh, I think it's still around, and this is go way back, where you're supposed to see as many species of a bird in a year. Oh, wow. and, and it's kind of a gentleman sport because only you decide if you saw it or not. Uh, and this movie follows two, two people that are doing it. One that is the champ, he's always winning. And the other guy that have saved basically all his life to do this because he really, really loves and enjoy birds. And he comes, they come really close in a back-to-back -back competition. Uh, what unfolds is that the, the winner who eventually, I don't want to, he, I'm going to spoil it. He goes on to win, but he wins the competition, but loses his family. Mm. And then it comes back to the other guy who, when in those moments of making the decision of winning, or sometimes there's something better than winning, which not all of us realize this, especially if we have, a, a, I have this problem all the time and I'm working on it to understand what's really winning is in life. And I'm curious your thoughts on that, because I think in this, just coming from a trip to Europe here in the US, sometimes it's like crush it, hustle, and you work yourself to death instead of finding that balance where you can be successful, but also have a great life. So I'm kind of curious on your, on your take of this, because I thought of that when, when I heard your story. So two things. Um, number one, when you are launching a new business, like, like your first year, two years, three years in real estate, you're not going to be balanced. Yeah. This, this whole idea of balance in those first couple of years is a bunch of bullshit, right? Yeah. And, and no one tells you that, right? Like they say, dude, with your smile, with your personality, man, you're going to do great. Come on in, right? <laughs> what they don't tell you is 80 hours a week because here's why. You're a startup company at that point. You're Wozniak at jobs in the freaking garage, putting together Apple computers and trying to be able to actually get people to buy. That's what you're doing. You're building your brand through your marketing. You're building you know, your, your network through your prospecting. Everything, you're building your disciplines. Everything that you do, you're a startup company for the first two or three years. It is so critical that you recognize that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're going to be out of balance, right? 
But what you'll do is your counterbalance, like a ballerina, right? Like what'll happen is, yeah, I'm going to go strong for like six, eight, 12 months, but I'm going to take a couple of days off, spend it with my family, et cetera. And if you have family, you have to let them know that right? Hey, mommy, hey, daddy is starting a new company. It's going to require a little bit of sacrifice for all of us, but here's the end result. And here's why, and here's why it's important, et cetera. Got to get them on board with that. And a lot of people don't like hearing that because they get into real estate because they want more time. But if you're going to start up a new company, everybody knows, and I work with startups as well too, uh, and coach them. Everyone knows that those first two years, you're spending 60, 70 hours a week. If you truly want to succeed and lay the foundation now, Counter to that is this belief that I have, right? Because that's the beginning of your career. As you begin to, the harder you work those first two or three years, the stronger the foundation, the easier it is for you to live the principle I'm about to share with you. And that is this, that the purpose of business is to fund a great life. And the purpose of life is to truly live a story worthy life. So that when you die, you're looking back on the stories that you created in your life versus the regret of the actions you didn't take. Okay. Now, this means so like, that's why on my, I've got two things. I got two tattoos. This one says Carpe Dio. Yeah. Yeah. This one over here says Amor Fate, right? Carpe Dio means seize the day. Amor fate means embrace life in all of its, its you know, different, you know, everything that comes your way. Be grateful for it. Embrace it, right? That's two things. I said, if I'm putting ink on my body, it's got to have meaning for me. So I look every single day at that. So when you're building your business, those first two or three years, recognize you're going to have to over-index and work a lot harder. But then all of a sudden, recognize there comes this point where you get into momentum. And then the purpose of your business becomes to create the life that you want to live. Not that your life becomes something that serves the business. And how do you do that? You do that through setting your personal goals. You do that through having things that are outside of you. You do that through contribution back to the communities. You do that uh, through having clarity, you know, in terms of what's important to you and your values, right? All, all of that, right? Because that clarity is power. All of that allows you to be able to go, my business is a tool. It is a, it, the more I execute on it, the more time I spend with my family, the better vacations that I take. And my family, it's interesting, Peter, my kids know that dad works 60 hours a week, right? They just get it. They know that I'm in here, that I'm coaching, that I'm on, you know, contributing, that I'm, if I'm not doing that, I'm writing content. Like I was up last night till one o'clock, like content and everything else. I'm one of those night owls that, you know, goes to sleep at one, gets up at 630 in the morning. I'm not like a 530 right? Like there's the five, 530ers. Um, but it makes it easy because I love what I do. I'm committed to what I do. I'm on a mission right now. And my kids see that. And at the same time, what they recognize is, yeah, dad's going to, we're going to push this hard for, not only we've been pushing hard this, this run, we went April, May, June, July, it'll be a four month insane push, but we're going for 10 days to Puerto Vallarta, right? To stay in a beautiful house, you know? And so they're like, okay, cool. Like, now it's not that I'm neglectful or not around them. They just know that from about seven o'clock in the morning, because I drive my kids to school or, or to football or whatever, from seven, 7.30 until about 5.30, we don't mess with dad, right? Yeah. And, you know, like there are going to be certain times where his focus isn't completely on us. They get it. They accept it, right? And I've communicated that with them because they know that the purpose, what we're trying to create, yes, 
spend time with them, create memories. But I'll tell you what, I, my kids love the memories that we have when I get to unplug come July the 23rd to, uh, to July the 31st, where the, my only focus, phone off, no business, not worried about my coaches, not worried about our marketing, nothing. The team is there to handle that. My only focus is Liam and Sophia. The purpose of business is to fund a great life like that. Love that. Coach Pipes, I have only one last question and then I'll let you go. We're, we're tight yeah. on time here. Uh, what should I have asked you today, but didn't? Mm, what a great question. Yeah, great. By, by the way, I've been on a lot of podcasts. These are some of the, the like making me thought provoking questions. Thanks. What should have, what should you have asked? Um, Did we miss anything exciting that, that, uh, um, you know, brother, like if I, if I really look back, uh, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is this, and then I want to leave everyone with this. It's all going to be okay. Like I always see these, what would you say to your younger self? You know, what would I say to my, my 21 year old self? Here's what I'd say to him. Chill out. Enjoy the fucking ride. It's all going to work out. And what you think is going to happen, a whole bunch of other shit's going to happen that you're not even projecting and don't even know of right now. So enjoy the freaking moment. Stop that. Like, don't stop your drive, but don't keep thinking, oh, in a year, I'll be here. And two years, I'll be there. And three years, I'll be there. Take the moment to enjoy where we are on this roller coaster right now, right? And that excitement and the enthusiasm of now, man, you know, I live my, like I said, carpe diem, seize the day is what it means in Greek and in, in Latin, excuse me. And the reason I put that on there is because I, I wake up in the morning and I, if I, I think to myself every morning, when I look at this today's your last day, if you knew that you had these 24 hours, how would you play it? What would you do? Who would you talk to? What would you clean up? What would you say? It makes me and allows me to be able to choose to be present in the moment. Karate. If you're not present in the moment, man, you're busy thinking about something else. Good night. You're like, you're it on the happened. map. It, ha it has happened. <laughs> has that happened to you, dude? Yeah. It, it has happened to me. Yeah. And you learn a lot from that. <laughs> totally. Right. Oh my God. So that's why, that's why I tell everyone like, enjoy now. You know, you've worked really hard to get to where now is. Yeah, keep your mind focused on, on what you want to create in the future, but recognize that all the future is, is a series of right nows that are added up. So carpe diem, seize the day, enjoy the moment, live it as if, you, if it's your last, man. Boom. What a pleasure, Bill. Um, I, I truly enjoyed our conversation here today. People want to connect with you, work with you, uh, learn more about you. Where's the best place in two ways i mean obviously connect with me on on facebook i'm bill pipes right uh, on facebook i'm at coach uh pipes at coach pipes right there's a bunch of there's an, a new imposter there's always like about every 90 days a new uh, imposter there's another yeah. imposter that's underscore coach pipes underscore that's not me right he'll try and sell you bitcoin right so <laughs> like chill out on that guy uh but it's at coach pipes c-o-a-c-h pipes like water pipes and then if you're interested in what it is that we offer from a coaching perspective, seminar perspective, um, just visit agentacademy.com, A-G-E-N-T, Academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-I.com, where you can find out about myself, my partners, John Cheplak, Dan Beer, who are two badass mofos, um, and just what we're up to, denting the universe of real estate and not leaving any agent behind. Awesome. 
Thanks again, Bill. And I want to thank everybody uh, that is here still with us to ask for an hour of your time is not something that we take for granted. So we're very, very grateful that you're here. We hope you found value in this conversation and that it helps you in your life. If it did, please hook up with Coach Pipes on Insta, uh, hook up with me on Insta, give us a review, share this content with somebody that needs to hear this message. And with that being said, I thank you. I salute you. I love you. And I see you guys next week. Peace. Thanks, Peter.